Daniel chapter 11, it has over a hundred different prophecies about what was coming future to Daniel's time and will lead us into an incredible prophecy about the coming Antichrist. More about that today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. We happen to be in the book of Daniel. We are going to deal with a message from Daniel 11 moving into Daniel 12 called The Wise Will Shine Forever. I would imagine that some of you tonight are a bit exhausted by the time change, the freeways, the elections, and whatever else may be on your plate in the last week or months. Maybe you've just been going through some trials. Maybe you've just been trying to lean into the Lord in many different areas of your life. But tonight we are going to see two action points. And they're in a, in a text that is exhilarating, exciting, um, end times kind of stuff. And I wanna pray for us, but before I pray, I wanna read the text that we're gonna deal with tonight, but we're gonna start a little bit before the actual text, and it's Daniel 11. I want you to look with me at verse 32. Daniel eleven thirty-two. 32. Reading from the New American Standard, it says, by smooth words, Daniel eleven thirty-two. he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Park for a second. There was a time in history past and there will be a time in the future, and I would argue the time is now, for God's people to display strength and take action. Now we're gonna deal with a text tonight that is very end times, eschatology, end of the age, end of the world kind of stuff. But let me ask you a question. If you can't stand in today's times, and let's just assume for the moment, for the sake of argument, that the church will be here for a portion of the great tribulation, the time of great trouble, the unveiling of the Antichrist, etc. If you can't stand now, will you be able to stand then? I mean, relatively speaking, it's fairly easy to be a Christian in the United States. And it's especially easy to be a Christian in the United States if you're just kind of sliding into the church, into the back row, and sliding out so that, you know, before the last song is finished, I'm out of here because I got people to see, places to be, and lunches to eat, right? <laughs> and that is sometimes the fullness of a modern person's Christianity. And that's if they get there every Sunday. You might remember that it wasn't that many weeks ago that I stood before a huge crowd of people and everybody said, we want to learn the book of Revelation. And half the crowd said, Daniel. And half the crowd said, Revelation, Daniel, Revelation, Daniel. It was like a, a tennis match. And so I said, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll teach Revelation and then we'll teach Daniel. And everybody, yeah, yeah. And so we taught the book of Revelation 22 chapters. Well, the first night, they were hanging from the rafters, man. This place was filled. 
by about week five, things changed. Because people thought, oh, the book of Revelation, it's all this exciting stuff about the end times, but the first several chapters were uh, the Lord of the church telling the church, here's what you got going for you and here's what you got to fix. And people are like, whoa. And then a lot of the book of Revelation is pretty heavy and kind of dark and, you know, all of a sudden we lose a little bit of our steam, a little bit of our excitement for God's word and the things of God. It doesn't take much. But I want you to see as a bookend that God's people, in fact, it does say here, the people who know their God, that's Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. See, if you're a Christian, you know God. That is the definition of a Christian. Jesus said, this is eternal life, John 17, three, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That is Christianity. Christianity is to know God and to have a life commensurate with, that lines up with, that knowledge, that relationship with God. Now, it's not gonna be perfect all the time. There's gonna be bumps in the road. There's gonna be times when we're dry. There's gonna be times when we're fighting temptation and maybe feel like we're even losing to it. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. This is what we need. Now, keep reading with me. It says, now when they fall, they will be granted a little help. Uh, let's see, I, I skipped ahead. Those who have insight, 33, among the people will give understanding to the many, notice, yet they will fall by the sword, by flame, by captivity, and plunder for many days. Now we're looking at something that happened in the past. We'll swing to the future in a moment. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time because it is still to come at the appointed time. Now, I want you to go all the way to chapter 12 for a second, and we'll come back and break down these other verses. But in chapter 12, we, we kind of catapult, and uh, this is right in the center of Daniel's 70th week, the last seven years. Now, at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation, that's Israel, until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. There's a resurrection. These to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. There's another picture where the Bible affirms that where you end up when you die is your fixed position for eternity. There is everlasting life and everlasting disgrace. Everlasting life and everlasting contempt. Everlasting bliss and everlasting punishment. There's a debate now in the Christian church and it's an understandable debate and it's this. If a person doesn't meet Jesus Christ in this lifetime, is hell forever? Is it an eternal punishment? Well, there are a lot of strong Bible verses that certainly affirm that it is, though it is troubling to us. And it should actually motivate us to evangelism, but it is a troubling concept. And so notice it says there's everlasting life, Daniel 12, 2, everlasting 
others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. But notice, those who have insight will shine brightly, like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness, like the stars, they will shine forever and ever. Now, sometimes when we study end times prophecy, people say, well, what's the application, pastor? What do I do with this? Well, here's what you do. You look at Daniel 11 in verse 32, and you know that people who know their God will display strength and take action, and you ask yourself, is that me? Am I displaying strength and taking action in my Christian life? Now, I'm not talking about your strength, because if it was my strength, I would be done from the very first step. I'm talking about the strength of weakness. I'm talking about the power of the risen Christ invading this jar of clay. I'm talking about the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in you, giving you the ability to do what God's called you to do. Do you believe that? That's the power that you've been promised. And then verse three, the other book in for tonight, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead the many to righteousness. People who do great exploits for their God, 1132, and lead many to righteousness. That's evangelism, folks. That's all that is, but it's significant because when you lead a person to righteousness, you are leading them to the righteous one. You are leading them to Christ. And if you do, you will shine like the stars forever and ever. In the kingdom of our Father, you will shine. Is that what you want? You see, there is something there is a, uh, a request of us. There is a, a plan that the master has for us. And it is exciting to be a soul winner. And it's exciting to stand for God. And sometimes to be overwhelmed by even the prospects of standing, but to stand nonetheless. And to say, Lord, make me strong because I'm weak. Make me strong because I want to run from this, but I want to stand for you. You stood for me, I want to stand for you. That's the question that you got to wrestle with as a Christian tonight, is do you want to stand? Now, the book of Daniel takes an interesting shift at this point, which is a bit debated, but even somebody like a commentator like James Montgomery Boyce, who's certainly not you know, uh, famous for his... Uh, prophetic views and has since gone home to be with the Lord, believes that this text swings from Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a type of the Antichrist. He lived and did what he did around 175 BC to 164, somewhere right in there. And he was a man who desecrated the Jewish temple. He was a Syrian leader and he sacrificed a pig on the altar, he burned Torah scrolls, he forced the high priest to eat uh, swine's flesh, he uh, was telling the Jews you can't circumcise your children, he was doing despicable things. And finally, the, he was overcome, him and his forces were overcome by the Maccabean, uh, the record of the Maccabean revolt uh, Judas Maccabeus, that time in the intertestamental period. Some of you are at least a little bit familiar with the books of First and Second Maccabees, which are historical. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Now, the book of Daniel takes an interesting shift at this point, which is a bit debated, but even somebody like a commentator like James Montgomery Boyce, who's certainly not you know, uh, famous for his uh, prophetic views and has since gone home to be with the Lord, believes that this text swings from Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a type of the Antichrist, He lived and did what he did around 175 BC to 164, somewhere right in there. And he was a man who desecrated the Jewish temple. He was a Syrian leader. And he sacrificed a pig on the altar. He burned Torah scrolls. He forced the high priest to eat uh, swine's flesh. He uh, was telling the Jews you can't circumcise your children. He was doing despicable things. And finally, he was overcome. Him and his forces were overcome by the Maccabean, uh, the record of the Maccabean revolt, uh, Judas Maccabeus, that time in the intertestamental period. Some of you are at least a little bit familiar with the books of 1st and 2nd Maccabees, which are historical books for historical purposes, but they're not in the canon. That is, they're not inspired books, but they have rich history. They tell this story. And out of this guerrilla warfare from this certain family, from a Jewish high priest, they uh, cleansed the temple, they got Antiochus and his forces out of there, and they celebrated the Feast of Hanukkah. We're coming to the end of the year quickly. Isn't it amazing that we are? Now, from Antiochus Epiphanes, who lived before Jesus was born and did his ministry. Jesus told us of another man that's coming. Paul told us about him, and his name is Antichrist. So we're gonna move from Antiochus to Antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes, who lived in the past, is a prefigurement of the Antichrist in this sense, that what he did in the ancient days in between Malachi and Matthew in the 165, 174 to 165 or 175 to 164 period will prefigure, foreshadow. He will have like qualities, negative ones, to the coming world leader who will make Jerusalem and Israel his target. The reason that you know that this is an end time scenario is because chapter 12 tells you that at this time there's going to be a resurrection. And so we know it's the end times. We know it's the very end of the story. We don't have to wonder if this is still you know, way in the past or future to Daniel but past to us. No, this is a future text. 
And what we have is we have this swing from Antiochus to Antichrist. That's the most important thing that you could write down if you're a note taker. We're moving from Antiochus, who's a type of the Antichrist, to the actual Antichrist himself. And at verse 36, we swing in the text. Notice what it says. Then the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the God of gods all over the uh, Old Testament, especially the God of the Bible, the God that we worship is called the God of gods and the King of kings. The Bible acknowledges that there are other gods with a small g in that they are idols, false gods, not, not true, but false but still, he is the God above all gods, above all idols, uh, all the gods of the nations. Just because you say you worship God or you believe in God is not enough. You must have the right God. In the ancient world, there was a panoply of gods. There were, there were people who worshiped thousands to millions of gods. And so that wasn't unusual at all. The question is, which God and whom do you serve? Well, this one will magnify himself above every, we could say, so-called God. And notice he will speak monstrous, monstrous things, blasphemous things against the God of gods, the true God. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed, whatever God prophesies, will be done. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, NIV, for what has been determined must take place, or as Jesus put it, behold, I've told you in advance. Now, Bible students, in order to understand this time of indignation, I believe that you need to understand the time of indignation as the time of Satan's wrath. Now, I've made that argument from the book of Revelation. You can wrestle with that. Uh, uh, for yourself, but I believe the time of indignation here, the assault on the Jewish people, the potential assault on the church, if the church is here, is Satan's wrath, not God's wrath. I believe that there's a good case to be made that the time of tribulation is not God's wrath, it is Satan's wrath. Tribulation simply means trouble, and it's people going through trouble. The question we wrestle with is who is the source of that trouble? Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Who was the source of the tribulation for the apostles? Certainly not God. Uh, 11 of the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. God did not kill his apostles. The world did. The world persecuted Paul and Peter and the others. If you have ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know how these stories went and what occurred. That was not God's wrath. That was Satan's wrath uh, against the church of the living God. And so I think the indignation there, at least something for you to chew on, or the time of wrath is not God's wrath, but Satan's. 
And he, this one who is the subject, I believe, the Antichrist, this coming king, our future, he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. Now this world figure, and we know that Antiochus Epiphanes did this because he tried to say that he was God manifest. That's what his name Epiphanes means, God manifest. And they called him Epimenes, which means madman. (laughs) He thought he was a god. They thought he was a nut, right? And anybody in our age who claimed to be God or the Messiah, that's pretty much how we've categorized them too. And so This is what Antiochus did, but this is what this future leader will do. Notice, he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. Now, the word for therefore gods is a plural form. It is Elohim. And so some believe it could be the God of his fathers. Um, That would be the King James rendering of it. I think even the new King James says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, capital G-O-D. And so there are some that say if it is to be rendered, Elohim is to be rendered God instead of God's first part of verse 37, then is the Antichrist Jewish? Because that would mean if the King James, New King James are correct, that this man has no regard for the God of his fathers and some would say, the fathers as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Some would maybe even argue the founding fathers, you know, but that's, that's a left field argument, but just something to think about. But here, what does this mean? If it's gods as the New American Standard and other modern translations do have it, then it would be that this man is a pagan but he has decided to forego or push aside all the gods that his fathers worshiped. So if he's a pagan, he doesn't doesn't buy into that. And that could include, you know, someone who was Egyptian or Syrian or Greek or Roman because we know that they had a whole host of gods and goddesses. Even in Athens, Greece, when Paul goes and preaches uh, on Mars Hill, There's thousands of altars there in the Agora or the marketplace. And so this is kind of one of those things that we don't have to be dogmatic on, but it's kind of interesting to think about. Would a a restored Jewish nation, think about it, they're back in the land, accept somebody who didn't follow the God of their fathers? I don't know. The nation is largely secular and agnostic and atheistic today. If you go to Israel, you might be surprised to know that a very small portion of Jews in Israel today believe in God. Some of them say they're agnostic. Some of them say that they're atheists. And most of them definitely do not accept Jesus as Messiah. So it wouldn't shock me if a world leader showed up and somehow because he did good political things, at least in the beginning, they bought into that program. Even at the time of Antiochus, there were many Jews who forsook the covenant for the sake of political correctness or peace or prosperity, you name it. And so it, is, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Notice, 
he will not have the desire for, of women. Now, there are some that believe that maybe that means he's a homosexual. Don't know. There are others that say, no, historically, the desire of all Jewish women was to be the mother of the Messiah. And so does he uh, openly reject the Messiah? He does speak monstrous, monstrous things against the God of the Bible, so certainly that would apply. We don't know for sure, but he doesn't uh, honor or have regard of the desire of women. Does he hate women? Does he put them down? I don't know. Nor will he show regard for any other God, for he will magnify himself above them all. Well, I pray that you are blessed by the teaching today, the wise will shine forever. Hey, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to Walk in Truth and for your support. One way that you can support our radio ministry is by purchasing some of the products we have at walkintruth.com. You've been hearing about one of the products that we have on the website, a DVD teaching called The Origins of Christmas. Since we're in that joyful season, this DVD, taught by friend and assistant pastor, Coach Chris Van Hook, answers some of the great questions you might have about how Christmas came to be. Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Do we know Jesus's actual birth date? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? A lot of questions will be answered, so visit walkintruth.com to get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD. Again, I want to say thanks so much for listening, and join us next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.